Hello and welcome to another episode of The Good Vanilla, a Barefoot Contessa podcast where the chicken stock is homemade, store-bought is just fine, and the vanilla is always good. I am your host, Nick Kachanov, and we are continuing the theme of last week with yet another episode where grilling is... I I guess like part of the equation, not the main events, but more on that in just a second. How is, how's everyone doing this week? It's getting hot. We have, um, I mentioned this on my other podcasts, but, uh, we're having a little bit of an AC debacle. I I don't know if I mentioned this on The Good Vanilla, but our house doesn't have central, uh, I almost said central hair. Well, we don't have hair either. We're both bald, but, um, we don't have central air and we have these like split systems installed. We got four of them and they work like they worked beautifully for one day, one glorious day. And then they just kind of stopped. And honestly, this has been like a six week ordeal. And it and just this last maybe like a couple days ago, they finally got them up and running again. Everything is going great. And it worked for about two hours, and then they crapped out again. And they'll be back tomorrow. So by the time this episode, well, no, the day this episode was released, hopefully I will be sitting in my house with, you know, just freezing my ass off. (laughs) Even though this week is actually not that hot. It was hot over the weekend. But this week, it's like high 70s. Either way, that's still warm. Um, What have I been up to? The last, I guess since the last time I I talked to y'all... Um, I went on a trip to Maryland to celebrate uh, my second mom's birthday. I call her my Bush Gardens mom, Sylvia, Sylvia Sullivan, if she's listening. I don't know if you listen anymore, Sylvia, but it's okay if you don't. We had a blast. It was a great time because we uh, surprised Sylvia. She knew that there was a party being thrown on, on her behalf, but... Um, my good friend Jess, who I worked with at Bush Gardens many moons ago in Virginia, um, she flew in. Um, and we picked her up from the airport and we, we then went to the party and surprised her. And it was really, I mean, talk about like a barefoot Contessa, like, uh, setting it was beautiful it really was like straight out of like an episode of barefoot contessa the entire weekend was we went on a boat uh twice it was great um just a lovely lovely weekend um and speaking of jess i want to give a shout out to melody not only is melody jess's mother-in-law but she is also a good vanilla super fan so melody this one's for you thanks for listening and i think with that, I, I think it's time to get into this episode. Why not? I don't know if I have any other updates in my life, but, uh, you know, the AC will hopefully be fixed. And that's all I got. So let's get into it. This is season eight, episode one, and it's called Cookbook Party. So Ina begins. Uh, she's outside. It's, it's worth mentioning. She's outside in the garden. It's like it's evening time, I feel. And uh, she's on like this big wooden... I don't know. She's like on a bench or something. It's not like an Adirondack chair or something. But anyway, the the sun is just like, you know, it's a beautiful setting. The hydrangeas are in full bloom behind her. It's it's gorgeous. So Ina says, when I finished my first cookbook, I thought I'll never have another idea for, for a cookbook and I'll never be able to write another recipe. Well, I just finished my fifth cookbook and I feel like celebrating. So I've invited some of my dear friends over, and I'm making them dinner from recipes in the new book. I'm making grilled marinated lamb kebabs with a lemon rosemary sauce. I think I'll have my friends help with the grill. Then an easy Mediterranean tomato and feta salad, plus lots of treats from the store, 
hummus drizzled with olive oil and toasted pinoli, plus mixed olives and grilled pita bread. And for dessert, a lighter-than-air but decadent black-and-white angel food cake. My friend Miguel is coming to help me with the food table. This is going to be a real celebration. <laughs> okay, few things to say. I said hummus on purpose. It pains me to say it, but uh, I... I said that as to remain true to what Ina said in her, you know, opening monologue here, but we all know it is, in fact, hummus or chimus, if we're putting a little Arabic spin on it. But I just can't say hummus. I feel like when I write it in my notes phonetically, I spell it H-O-O-M-I-S-S, hummus. But anyway, and also I wanted to mention this for anyone who is wondering, little pop quiz here, what is Ina's fifth uh, fifth cookbook? Does anyone know? Not that you can respond to me, but I will tell you that it is Barefoot Contessa at Home. And this was released in 2006. And this is all according to a website called CheatSheet.com that I just Googled before I started recording. So hopefully that is the right answer. If it's not her fifth cookbook, uh, let me know. And then I'll be really sad that I got my facts wrong. But, you know, just go with it, okay? So um, Ina starts out with the lamb kebabs. And she's in the kitchen. She's chopping up a lamb shoulder for the kebabs. She prefer, uh, she prefers a shoulder over a leg. Um, and I can't remember why she didn't like the leg. She said it's like weird pieces. I don't know. Um, so she cuts the, the lamb shoulder into about one and a half inch cubes. And after she does that, it's time to make the marinade. So she chops up five or or cloves. (laughs) Five or cloves is what I'm... I don't know what I'm saying. I meant to say five or six cloves of garlic. Yeesh. Um, And then she puts that on top of the meat. And then she chops two tablespoons of fresh rosemary and throws that on top of the meat as, uh, as well as some fresh thyme. And then she measures out a half cup of olive oil, half cup of red wine, and she pours it all over everything. And she also throws in a splash of red wine vinegar as well on on top of all this. So she finishes it off with some salt and pepper. And then she gives it a big stir and throws it in the fridge for a couple of hours to marinate. And tells us later she's going to put them on skewers with some red onion. And that's going to be really fun, is what she says. <laughs> and then she says, I can't wait to see what Miguel is up to. And we immediately cut to Miguel outside who is setting up the table. I'm... I have to say this. I really think Miguel is my number one now. Like, move over, TR. Like, I know TR is the heartthrob of East Hampton. Like, you know, no one's going to take that away from him, you know. But I I think if we were to play that game, like, marry F. Kill, I would marry Miguel. I would F. TR. And I would kill. Who would I kill? Oh, my God. Who's that one lady? I can never remember her name. It's not part of, it's not Barbara Leibeth. It's like that other, they, they went to the, um, oh my gosh, where's that place where Dorinda lives in, in Real Housewives of New York? The Berkshires. It's where they spend, it's the people that they spent the Berkshires with. The guy looks like the, it's a couple, oh my gosh, and the wife is like waspy, and for some reason I just don't really love her, so, you know, I don't want anyone to die, you know what I mean? <laughs> but if I had to choose someone, I would get rid of her. Um... I just love Miguel. I just think he's so talented and such has a, he has like such a calming presence and I'm just obsessed with him. Anytime there's an episode with Miguel, I'm always excited to see him. I'm always excited to see TR too. Okay. Like let's not, let's not get crazy here, but I would, I would marry Miguel, (laughs) even though he's like 
far older than me. But anyway, um, okay, so Miguel is, I lost my place in my notes because I got too distracted from, by Miguel here. Um, okay, so he's, you know, he's kind of setting this food table up. And I don't know if it's like a food table where they're eating or like a buffet table, but maybe it's both. Who knows? I spot some beautiful like orange napkins. They're like, they're like the color of pumpkin puree, but maybe a little bit brighter. I'm just like, I, I said it before. I'm just, I'm, I'm really digging orange these days. Um, so Miguel takes the lead here in his own little segment. And he says, Ina is making lamb kebabs tonight. So I thought we'll use rosemary plants as centerpieces, which is very Ina. Um... Or maybe Ina stole that from Miguel. Really, the truth is coming out. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, but she, he goes on to say, and at the end, when the meal is done, we can actually break a few leaves off the rosemary plant and sprinkle them on our meat. And I don't know why that made me laugh. It's just like, sprinkle them on our meat. It's just, it sounds a little um, <laughs> a little bit uh, innuendo there. I don't know. It just, uh, it just made me giggle the way he said that. Anyway, uh, we're back in the kitchen. Ina is chopping up some cherry tomatoes for the tomato feta salad. Um, she's chopping up four pints of tomatoes, to be exact. This is a big salad. Um, and she throws in a half a cup or a cup and a half of red onion as well, chopped red onion. And I'll tell you this. If you're going to put, I think even for, like, white onion, too. Like, I'm I'm always down for, like, onion, obviously, and, like, salsa and stuff. You got to chop your onions, though. There's nothing worse than, like, you know, a half-ass, like, onion job where you bite into like a big chunk of onion I I actually like pride myself on like um you know finely chopping it to to how I would like it to be and I think I was inspecting the onions as she put them in and I think uh it passed the test the Nikachanov red onion test (laughs) um so next up is the vinaigrette for the tomato feta salad which is some olive oil, some, she's like a quarter cup of uh, white wine vinegar, champagne vinegar, whatever you have. I don't have any of those in my house because I just don't. I, I should. I don't know. I have apple cider vinegar, but that's that's definitely not the same. Um, and then she finishes it up with some kosher salt, some pepper, and that's it. So she drizzles that all over the tomatoes and red onions, and she says she's going to put the feta in last because she doesn't want it to get crumbly, which is a good, that's a good tip. Um, and she pulls, I mean, but I thought she meant like, I don't know. I thought she meant she was going to hold off until she was ready to, uh, like serve the salad, but really by putting it in last, she's just literally putting it in last. So she cuts, uh, this is like a huge brick of feta. It's, it's a lot. Ina says it's about one and a half pounds, which is, again, it's a big salad. There are a lot of people, so it's fine, but it just, it was shocking. Uh, so she cuts the feta up into cubes and then carefully gives it a stir as to not break up the feta. And then it's time for some herbs. Uh, she uses some fresh basil and some parsley. And I think that's the end of that segment. Yeah, after the commercial break, it's time for chocolate angel food cake. So she describes this cake as it's like angel food cake with chocolate chunks. But then she corrects herself and says, well, more like chocolate flakes with a dark chocolate glaze on top. Sign me up. I mean, I think I mentioned this before on the pod, um, but my birthday cake from the ages of like nine to 13 was (laughs) consistently an angel food cake, you know, made from a box. And um, and just like, uh, you know, like the Duncan Hines, like plastic thing of frosting like just slathered on top of it Ugh, 
it's amazing. It really does defeat the purpose of angel food cake, which is like meant to be healthy, even though there's like three cups of sugar in it. Um, but I love it. So for anyone who's just like looking for a treat, sometimes I, I my grandma Kachanov, I remember like every once in a while she would make an angel food cake and put like, you know, like vanilla frosting on it um, from a jar, you know, and, and it was great too. But I do love the chocolate. So this is that's like my version of <laughs> of what Ina's making. Ina's is a little bit more scaled down, of course. Um, so she starts by sifting together a half cup of sugar and one third of a cup of cake flour. One third of a cup? Why does that not seem like a lot? Maybe I wrote that down wrong. Either way. So she sifts this together four times. Again, we all know how I feel about sifting. I think it's bullshit. <laughs> but also do whatever you want to do. I guess like for this... I could see why, because you have to have that fine sort of quality for this angel food cake, maybe to make it like light and fluffy to make sure there's no chunks. I get that. But four times, that's a little, that's a little excessive here. But uh, she pours, next it's, uh, she pours the uh, some egg whites into the standing mixer, mixer, excuse me. And then she instructs that room temperature egg whites are a must for angel food cake. I can't remember how many egg whites there were I feel it was like 12 to 14 it was a lot um and into the egg whites go some uh some salt some cream of tartar and then it's um and then she just gives it a gives it a whirl gives it a beat I guess rather until soft peaks form but also I think they have to be a little stiff as well too um and while that's doing its thing she slowly adds one and a half cups of super fine sugar to the egg whites so again Angel food cake, um, it's delicious, but I do think that we've all been lied to because I just remember like in the 90s, like everyone was eating angel food cake or maybe like the 80s, I guess. And they're like, it's super healthy. Or maybe you use like less sugar. I don't know. But I just feel like this has an, as much sugar as like another cake. So just have have a regular cake, everyone. <laughs> it's like YOLO. Um, I lost my place in my notes again. Where am I? Okay, so it's coming together. It looks beautiful. Um, so she adds one teaspoon of good vanilla, as I was saying, to add to the egg whites, and then everything's looking as it should. And then she dumps the egg whites into a big bowl and then very carefully folds the sugar and cake flour mixture into them. Uh, and then this is where the half... She grates a half a cup of semi-sweet chocolates. Um, and she says not to use chocolate chips because they have stabilizers in them. Um, but this is such an interesting idea. I, I really do like this. Uh, it's like she said, it's like flakes. It's just like little flecks of chocolate in, in the batter. And she pours it into the angel food cake pan. It kind of looks like it looks like cookies and cream, to be honest. Um, and I feel like it's like just enough chocolate. And then she throws this into the oven at 350 for 35 to 40 minutes. So uh, while the, the cake is baking, Ina tells us that she's going to see what Miguel is up to. And then when the cake is done, she's going to go shopping. So we're outside and Miguel is making these gorgeous little platters of like, it's like purple grapes, but like the good grapes, you know what I mean? Like there's like red grapes, but these are like purple grapes. They almost have that like little film on them. If you like run your finger across it, it looks like it's almost like a frosted grape. You know what I mean? It's like the grapes you see in like 
the commercial for like Welch's grapefruit juice, even though that's probably terrible for you too. <laughs> but I think I know. I th I'm I'm hoping I'm describing this correctly. You know. The, but anyway, these beautiful purple grapes. Uh, there's peaches and figs and dates. Very like Mediterranean uh, fruit. Um, and it's really cute. Einek is like beside herself. She comes out and she's like she genuinely sounds like surprised and overjoyed at the sight of this table. This really felt like a true moment. Like she like they're like, why don't you just like not look at what Miguel is doing so that way it's like an authentic moment. And it really seemed like it. Either that or she's a really good actress. But um, uh, it's really cute. She gives him a hug and a kiss and then it's off to the store. So this is like the store-bought is fine portion of the episode where she explains that it's much easier to just buy a few things and assemble them at home. So she goes up to like the olive bar. I used to hate an olive bar and now I love it. Like there's, I mean, oh my God, olives are so good. And I know a lot of people don't love them, but I, I just love like a good platter of olives and just like to look at them all. And I feel like, I mean, now that like, not that we're post COVID, but like, I feel like for a while buffets were not a thing. And I, I'm hoping that like, it's been a while since I've been to like, like an Italian store that has like all of the olives. So maybe I need to do that. Um, cause it's a good like summer snack. You know what I mean? Like after work, like a glass of white wine, some olives, you know, sitting out in the backyard, like that's heaven. So I think I'm going to do that. Maybe after I record this episode, um, and okay, so she's at the olive bar and she's she says hi to this guy named Larry who is behind the olive counter here. And Larry looks like a combination of like, this is a weird combo, but just like go with it. He looks like a combo of Mark Ruffalo and the guy who played Squiggy on Laverne and Shirley, who is his name. His real name is David L. Lander. But um, I don't know. It just those were, you know, instantly I was just like, yep, Squiggy and Mark. Mark Ruffalo. Um, so that's, at least that's my take on him. And he's, you know, he's not really Mr. Personality. He kind of just scoops out the olives. Ina picks out some green and black olives. Some, she calls them, uh, let's get the, the French picheline, is what she says. And then some French black olives. Um, they look great. And then she is just like roaming around the store as she does. And she picks out some homemade hummus and then she picks up some pita bread and I think that's all because now it's time to head home to glaze that angel food cake that chocolate angel food cake so she starts out in the pantry in search of some chocolate chips that are uh, then sprinkled into a double boiler with some heavy cream to make the ganache and while the ganache is coming together she takes a few pieces <laughs> she takes a few pieces of parchment paper and puts them under the cake to prevent a mess so like in case the the ganache drizzles a little bit too far and even if it does sort of reach the plate she can pull those little pieces of parchment out and it's like a clean surface I feel like I've mentioned this before it's a good sort of like cake trick if you're icing a cake and you know you're getting down to the plate but you don't want the cake to be covered in frosting you just put a little uh, piece of parchment in there I will say this also, this ganache is a little bit on the runny side. I think we use a little bit too much heavy cream here, Ina. Um, it still looks fine, but not your best work. And I hate saying that because Ina's always putting out her best work. But as she's drizzling this into the cake, or over the cake rather, it's almost like seeping into the cake, which I guess is kind of fun. But like, I wish she should have thrown a little bit more chocolate chips there to really thicken up the ganache. And 
I don't know. Still looks good, though. I mean, obviously, I would eat this entire cake, um, but I couldn't help but point that out. Anyway, um, Miguel, my future husband, is putting on the finishing touches uh, of this table. Or no, no, he's he's like walking around the yard at this point. He's arranging some like they're pretty tall. They're like knee high lanterns across the garden, and I don't think they're real candles inside. I think it's like one of those like you know battery operated candles. But I, it seems like a nice touch. Um, and next, Ina is back in the kitchen, and it's time to take the lamb kebabs out of the fridge. And, you know, there's not much to say here. She puts them on skewers. Although I will say this, actually. I'm like, there's not much to say, but I'm going to say something. Um, folks, make sure that you soak your wooden skewers when you are grilling. Because Ina never mentions it, which is surprising and can be, you know, potentially dangerous. Because you're basically putting, like, dry wood. And maybe there's some sort of, like, protective coating on the skewers and I'm overreacting. But I just feel like that's a good rule of thumb is to always soak your skewers if you have wooden skewers. And I, could, I feel like this is a missed opportunity here because I, I can picture her saying, like, what would she say? She'd say, like, uh, like, one time Jeffrey forgot to soak the skewers and they burst into flames. We had to call the fire department. Hmm. You know, one of those. <laughs> but um, she doesn't say it at all. So... Yeah, soak your soak your wooden skewers or use metal skewers. That is my hot tip of the day. Literally, because you can set your grill on fire. Or, you know, it could be bad. So the skewers are done. So it's time to arrange the hummus and the olives for the food table. She kind of pours them into individual bowls. And she toasts up some pine nuts in a skillet and pours that over the hummus into a bowl as well as the olives. I basically just said the same thing twice. I don't know why I wrote that in my notes the way that I did, but, you know, just in case. <laughs> We're absolutely sure how those olives came got into that bowl. Um, so now the guests arrive, and I see, I see a lot of familiar faces. I see Michael in the crowd. He's sporting, like, a royal blue sweater with, like, a white dress shirt underneath. Uh, Barbara is there. Barbara Libeth. Um, she's wearing, like, a plum turtleneck. And there's this one guy there. I can never remember his name. We've all seen him before. He's younger. And I've talked about him in other episodes. And I think one of you have reached out to me saying his name. And I'm sorry that I can't remember it. But um, I don't know. He's just not in enough episodes. I need to be... I need to know who that guy is. But um, there's also... There's also like another younger guy wearing like an aggressively pink sweater. It's like... It's not neon pink but it's not not neon pink, you know? I feel like I had a t-shirt like this from, like, Hollister or, like, um, Pacific Sunwear, like, back in the early 2000s. It was just, like, a bright pink uh, shirt. I'd, or, no, but, like, I had the shirt, but this guy has, like, a sweater on. But I will say he's pulling it off. He had he had a good tan. Um, if I was wearing this sweater, I would look crazy. It is not my shade of pink, but, um, you know, good on you mystery man I don't know who you are um so everyone's just kind of like laughing and toasting and then all of a sudden Ina's like okay you two come with me and these two guys are the unlucky souls that are tasked to grill and to narrow this down one of the, there's like an older guy and a younger guy and the younger guy is the one that I can never remember the name of so if you're watching along on Discovery Plus let me know who that guy is um so Ina does help them get started on the grill, but 
I feel like I've mentioned this before. I would hate this. If I went to a friend's house and they're like, you actually have to cook the meal. If I knew about it in advance, that'd be fine. As long as you're not springing it on me, I would be like, I was having fun. Like, let me have cocktails with, you know, Miguel and Michael and Barbara Libeth. You know, I don't want to be taken away from that. So she she kind of sets them up and gets them started. And she puts the lamb skewers on. And she said she said to cook them for 10 to 15 minutes, um, turning at least three times. I would just be like, oh, my God. Um, and then they also cook the, the pita bread as well. She puts some olive oil on it to sort of crisp it up. So while the boys are grilling... Ina jumps inside to make a quick sauce for the lamb kebabs, which is an interesting combo of liquid. She uses chicken stock, olive oil, and lemon juice. And then she also puts in some some rosemary, some fresh rosemary, finely chopped, because since it's going to be, you know, basically raw, we want to make sure that we're not biting into a big chunk of rosemary, because that's, that's not pleasant. Um, so she adds that yeah she adds the rosemary to the sauce and adds some salt and pepper and then she pours it into one of those like you know classic I don't know it's like those I want to say sterling silver but that's not what it is it's like you know a silver gravy boat that Ina always uses um and then she's back outside everyone is sitting around the food looks great some people you know we see a a shot of someone dipping some pita bread into hummus um and then they show the angel food cake being cut and this ending is kind of a weird ending, I will say this. I was really hoping for some sort of group, awkward, funny thing at the end of this, but I was uh, I was duped. So Ina, I think she's talking to Barbara Libeth when she says this. She says, remember how many times we made this chocolate angel food cake? I think we ate every single one of them. And then they just like throw their heads back and laugh. But what does that mean? I think we ate every single one of them. Like... They had a piece of it. They tasted it. But like it also rings like we made all these angel food cakes and no one bought them. So we had to eat them ourselves. I don't know. What does everyone think about that? Maybe I'm just reading too much into it <laughs> because none of this matters. But, you know, this uh, this is the conversation we're having today. And it wasn't a, it wasn't like a funny ending. So I have to dissect this. Um, and also no mention of the cookbook. Like, the entire episode is to celebrate Ina's fifth cookbook. Like, I feel like Miguel should have, you know, uh, what's the word, uh, taken the reins here and, you know, lifted his glass up and said, like, to Ina's fifth cookbook, you did it. And, you know, outro music. I don't know. It was it was a little, um, it was sloppy. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It wasn't my, it wasn't my favorite Ina Garden ending. I'm hoping that maybe, you know, the next episode or the episode after that has a good classic ending. Maybe I'll, that's like a an assignment to all you good vanilla listener, listeners out there. Like what? I mean, there's the classics. You know what I mean? It's like when the tent is rocking, don't come a knocking. Like I want something like that and maybe something I haven't even seen before. So if you have um, episodes where you remember like a really funny ending, uh, you know, send me an email, message me on Instagram and let me know. Um, I'll take requests. Why not? Um, so I guess, yeah, unfortunately, that's the end of the episode. So, oh my goodness, what a great episode. I mean, some really good recipes in there. And I hope you all had a good time. Thank you, everyone, again, for listening. If you want to follow the podcast on 
podcast on social media. You can follow it on Instagram at goodvanillapod. And you can also send me an email at goodvanillapod at gmail.com. Also, I made a group for the Good Vanilla on Facebook. Very easy to find. Just search the Good Vanilla. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. Or just tell another Barefoot Contessa fanatic that also works too. And if you want to know where to get more of me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov. And you can find me on my other two podcasts these days, The Best Supporting Podcast Every Week with Colin Drucker and The Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour with my good pal Amanda Kaczynski. We are currently, for a very limited time, uh, recapping the All-Star 7 season of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's an all-winners season. So if you're into that or if you know someone who lives for RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, tell them tell them to check out the squirrel friends cocktail hour uh i think that's it so thank you everyone for listening stay safe and i'll see you next time